Now is the time for the leader to qualify. Oh, I need to stand. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> um, okay, so my name's Laurie. I'm a recovering anorexic and exercise bulimic. Hi. Um, so I want to thank Ben for asking me to lead today. This is really funny because I, yeah, so much about, so much of my, um, the, the how the anorexia has manifested for me is like, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to like take up any space. And so I feel like God's like, oh no, you're going to stand up today. Ah! And, um, so here I am, um, visible and, uh, I have never spoken at this meeting before. So it's great to be here. I remember when it used to be over, uh, at the log cabin. So I haven't been here since it's moved. Um, so I'll just qualify. First of all, I want to welcome the. I want to welcome you. I'm really glad that you're here, and uh, I'm grateful for anyone else who's new um, or struggling. I it, it's a this program has saved my life. Um, I came into OA in 1996, and I've never left. Um, I got I came in after uh, being hospitalized for being severely underweight, and also, uh, but more than that, it was the emotional aspect of it. I was severely depressed and um, just could not manage life. And so I uh, ended up checking myself into a treatment center, and I, I chose to do that, and no one forced me. And I really believe that I was divinely guided to the place that I went because it was a 12-step program and I had no idea what the 12 steps had to do with anything um, other than I had friends that were in AA and I heard a little bit about it, but I really didn't know. I did not know about, you know, what it was going to, how it was going to affect my life working the steps and, um, you know, doing a personal house cleaning, many, and, um, and so I went, I went to this um, uh, inpatient in and then came out and ended up having to go back in. And, and then, so about, about two months, and then I came out and I had to sign a contract that I would go to meetings. So I did. I just started going to OA meetings. I, I didn't really know anything about what anybody was talking about. I, it, all the terminology, I'm just like, I don't know what this is. And these people are like holding hands and they're like, you know, saying these slogans and I have no idea what's going on here. But what I knew, I knew enough being in the, in, impatient that there was something I related to, whether you were in AA or OA or, you know, a compulsive overeater, an anorexic, a bulimic, um, whether you were on drugs, like it, it, there was the same feeling. It was the same feeling of, isolation, not feeling good enough, not feeling lovable, not being fear of abandonment, and just not wanting to really take up any space on the earth, um, which is really how, how it has, the disease has manifested for me. Um, I, uh, I, I, um, I just growing up, I, I mean, I'll just share a little bit about like ch- my childhood. I won't get into too much detail about that because I think we all we all know and relate to um, having some some whatever it is in your life that brought you here, where the disease started. And I know for me, I I vividly remember my relationship to my body shifting completely at age of twelve. I had gone through some uh, covert sexual abuse. Um, 
and trauma. Um, and it was very confusing because it was covert. It was, it, and, it, and I didn't really understand what it was until 15 years, 10 years later, actually 10 years later when I, you know, got outside help and was like, that's not what it was, you know. But I knew that something felt uncomfortable and I knew that I didn't feel safe in my, my own body. And so I remember, and then I also at that same time, right around that same time was diagnosed with um, uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, which I share because it is part of my journey in recovery. Um, having a chronic physical pain, very painful at times, um, uh, health issue, like I just wanted out of my body. I, I felt like my body had betrayed me. I, some per, certain person around, people around me had betrayed me. Um, and my whole sense of safety in my body, I just did not want to be in it. I was like, just get me out. And so the way that I checked out was with food. Um, and for me, it, it, um, I remember like being 12 years old and suddenly like I was like, my butt's too big, you know? And where that came from, I have no idea. But it was like some switch went off in my brain and suddenly my body was not okay. And I, and it started there, like little by little. It didn't, it wasn't very, you couldn't really tell. Like I wasn't doing a lot of stuff, but I, I was doing little things like restricting my food a little bit here. And then, and then as I got into high school, then it was, oh, I think exercise would be really good because it's healthy. So I started exercising. And, you know, you get a lot of praise for being super disciplined at the gym. Like, people are like, you're so disciplined and you're amazing. And, and you know, and that only fed me more. My ego was like, yes, like, I'm so awesome, you know. And, um, and so, you know, it's a high. It's a high. It is like drugs. It's like alcohol. I never did drugs and alcohol. But I can imagine the hit that I get off, the hit that I got off of starving and being, like, super-duper hungry was like amazing and I share I share it because I'm like a drug addict but I'm a drug addict with food and starving and exercising and and I did you know I also binged um I you know I did the compulsive I was I have compulsively overeaten um and I I share that because you know that's also part of it for me you know I've done binging I've done the the purging for me was through exercise. I never threw up. I just could not make myself throw up. Um, I hated it. So my, the way that I did it was through um, exercise. And it was it's interesting because I could really fly under the radar with the exercise because everybody thinks, like I said, thinks you're like, so disciplined and healthy. And and it just, for me, it, it again, like that switch in my brain you know, there's normal exercise and there's healthy exercise. And then there's, for, for me, it was four hours later, still couldn't leave the gym, you know. And I would look at people walking out the doors and I would well up with tears because I just wanted to, like, be able to get out the door. Like, can I just go home? I was tired. And um, and I would just be like, just, just like 15 more minutes, 15 more minutes. And then four hours later, it's like, what the heck just happened? So... So for me, you know, it it the the gap between the binges and the restriction got less and less and then where I went to was pretty hardcore anorexia and um and hardcore exercise and I I um and so which which led me into um 
the re into inpatient treatment because I just, you know, I loved that. I loved that thing about it's physical, emotional, and spiritual. Like I could take care of the physical all I want, but if I'm not bringing in, um, working out the emotional stuff and the, and the spiritual stuff, the physical eventually will take, it's, it's, it's going to just like eat me alive. Um, eventually I will go back to what I, um, what, how I coped, which was, you know, to not eat or to use food and, you know, had a lot of rituals and, um, because for me it was about control and safety. I just wanted to feel safe in the world and for, and to me to feel that high, to feel so high in, in, I, there was this part of me that felt so powerful because I didn't eat, you know, I was so, I was so disciplined and the high that it gave me, um, you know, at t- I, honestly, like it's unlike anything, you know, but it, but it eventually was killing me. Um, and I did, I, you know, I share, I share very openly, like I attempted suicide. I was a self cutter, um, that's where my bottom pretty much was. Like I was like, it's either death or I, I get into recovery because it wasn't going to be the physical that was going to take me out. I wasn't going to die from from the underweight. I mean, eventually I would, but it was the emotional constant ruminating in my head, the the wanting to die that was going to take me out because I would have taken something, done something, eventually to to off myself and um, and I. As I've gone into recovery and worked the steps and done a lot of healing around the trauma, I realized, and it's just in the last couple of years that I've realized I've had one foot out and one foot in life since I was little, since I was 12 years old. And um, I'm like, okay, I can keep having one foot in life and one foot out of life, or I can choose to put both feet on the ground in my life and, and go forward. And so... A day at a time, I, I, um, I'm, I'm praying and working towards keeping both feet in life um, because that's a lot about what it is. And I had a sponsor, and many of you know, knew her, know her, Daryl. And um, she was my sponsor for a long time. And she would say to me, do you want to be sick or do you want to get well? And that to eat and to start nourishing my body was to say yes to life. And so much of it was like, no, no, I don't deserve, I don't deserve, I want to, I just want to, um, I don't want to be here. And so as I've, so I came into, let me, I do that, like I'll start a thought and then I like stop and then, I, so, so as I, as I got into the rooms, I would just sit in the rooms and cry and talk about food and food and food and food and food and more food and how I hated my body, and I ate too much, I ate too little, I didn't eat this right. And for me, it, I also have seen, like, working the steps that the food was a moral issue for me, too. Like, I really thought that if I eat this food, God is going to hate me and punish me. And if I eat this food, God, like, do good food, that God's going to love me and take care of me. And it w- it took me a long time to see that, that for me, it was such a moral, like, I'm a good girl or I'm a bad girl. Very black and white. And um, and I'm, you know, today I get to, you know, quell those, that voice in my head that says it. Or just talk to my my kid. I know that might sound 
strange, but just kind of soothe that 12-year-old and be like, it's okay for you to eat this right now, honey. You need to eat. Like, you're hungry. Um, and I'm hungry. I'm an adult and I'm hungry, you know, so let's eat, you know. And um, <laughs> and and just, like, love her through the fear. And, um, and so... So I came in um, to the rooms, and I didn't get abstinent right away. I would get 30 days, and then I would relapse, and I'd get another, and I'd relapse, and then I got one, and I relapsed. And then finally, in 1997, um, it was August 23rd, 1997, I got abstinent. And I, for me, it was very loose. It was like eat protein every day, because I wasn't eating protein. I, wasn't, I was eating just not while well, I wasn't eating a lot, but I was... There was it wasn't nourishing, and so my sponsor was like, "Just start with something." So that I could do, I could do that, and then it eventually morphed into three meals a day, two snacks, and um, and I worked the steps. I went through all the steps, and um, and then so I'm just you know this is the other part um, that uh, two and a half years ago I so I was training for this bike tour. I was biking from San Francisco to L.A. And I told myself, I can do this. Like, and I, I had done it before, but it was interesting because and I, I was training a lot. I was exercising a lot. And I was in, I'm in other programs. So just my experience has been when I clean up the food, oh, there's like this program and then that thing and that addiction. And so I'm in quite a few. Um, I'm like a triple winner. Um, and it's really like I see it. Like I see... My relationships, my money, and my food all tied in together. All of it is like, it's like the triumvirate. And um, I, I, so I have to look at all of those things. And, but going back, I was, I was training for this, this bike tour, and I was losing weight. And I was like, you know, and then my sponsor in that other, in my other program, like, called me out on it. I hated her. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, so I was so mad at her. And now I look back and I am so grateful to her because she called me out on my bullshit. Sorry, I know this is being recorded, but um, she called me out on it. And I and I so you know, with the help of fellows and praying, I, I chose to start over. So I had 18 years. I chose to start, so now I have two and a half. And um, and I didn't have any shame. Like I had a little initially, but then. You know, relapse is part of my journey. Like, I had to get to a deeper understanding of the, the, the covert ways that this disease will kill me. Like, the back door. It'll come around the back door or go under the couch or, like, come through the roof. You know, it's not, like, right in my face. It's these little subtle things that happen. Oh, just, you know, why don't you just not eat that today? Why don't you just skip breakfast you're tired, you're not hungry, you don't have to eat. This medicine makes you nauseous, so you don't have to eat. Like, that's a valid reason, right? Medicine makes me nauseous, you know, but it's, it didn't, it, it's not, it's not the solution. And so, you know, little by little, I started working with a new, I have a new sponsor and started working with her and um, she's super gentle, but like, I feel like I'm I'm super duper honest with her, and that's the key. It's like I can I can have a sponsor, but if I'm trying to be a good girl and like be perfect with you, I'm not going to recover because I I have to call that stuff out all the time. Like I want it, I want you to love me, so I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do, um, so I won't get in trouble, 
And what's happened is like now I'm slowly integrating things and um, I, um, I've now like I eat three meals a day. Like I, and that's, that's relative, you know, it's, it's a little new still because I was, I was um, having a hard time with breakfast and finally I just gave away a four step, like super duper long ass four step in this other program. And I really got to see how the food, the money, the relationships, wanting to be loved, like all tied in. And I, since I did that four step, like I've had been eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I'm like, that's how it works. You know, I don't know how it works. I have no idea how this works. So I don't go to the gym for four hours. I, I, in fact, sometimes I really hate the gym, like, which is huge for me. Like I'd rather sleep, you know? And, um, that's a really big deal, you know, and learning to see that, like, I don't have, if I don't go to the gym, you're still going to love me. You know, I'm going to be all right. Um, but the, but the most, more important thing is that I, I still love me. Like God still loves me. God doesn't care if I go to the gym or not. God just wants me to be abstinent, sober, um, clear, clean, and present. Like, and so that God can work through me in my life because when I'm not, when I am not in emotional sobriety or food sobriety or anything, I can't be present for you. I cannot show up for you. Thank you. I cannot show up for you. I cannot um, be of service. I get into, it's all about me. Why aren't you focusing on me? Why aren't you talking about me? Did I say more me? You know, it's like, it really is like about me. Like, and I, and I just, I had this, this, I was sitting, driving my car the other day, and I, I really believe this is higher power. Um, I just started, started thinking, like, I'm so sick of talking about me. Like, it is so, so boring, honestly. And then I just prayed to God. I said, God, please, please help me not be self-centered anymore. Like, you know, and I know it's not going to be that easy, like, because I have a disease, I have an, an a, I, everything, I mean, I get into like self-centered fear, but it, but the awareness and the prayer is now like, I just don't want to talk about me all the time. I don't want to be focusing on, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not a life and it's not being present. And, um, and I'm in a job that requires me to be super present for people who are in crisis. And I can't really be thinking about what I ate five minutes ago when somebody is talking to me about how, you know, their child's going to die. You know, I can't, I, I just, I got to be there for that parent and really sit there and be present with them and sit with them while they cry and while they process their grief. And, and, and honestly, I'd rather be there in that moment with that parent than focusing on what I ate five minutes ago. Um, so it's been a really, it's been just quite a journey. Um, I see a lot of people in this room that I knew when I first came in. Um, there's several. Um, and I, you know, I really, I, I just love, I can't imagine, see, I just did it again. I was going to start a thought and then I, <laughs> but I, um, I can't imagine not having program in my life. Like I've grown up in these rooms. When I came in here, I was, I would talk like this. I and people would be like, can't hear you, you know, and I'm, and I was so mad. I was so mad. I'm like, I don't want to talk. You know, I did not want to talk. I didn't want to talk because I was afraid if I talked, I was going to get in trouble if I told you how I felt. And today, the fact that I'm, I've got this microphone on me and I'm 
standing up here, um, you know, and I, I think you can all rel- hear me pretty well. I mean, I think you could probably hear me without the microphone, which is huge. Like, I take up space. I allow myself to take up space. Um, and day, day by day, like, I realize, like, I'm allowed to have both feet in this world. And God has put me here for a reason. And it's not to starve myself into the grave. And the truth is, is that I've been to funerals of people in these rooms, like, that have died from bulimia and have died from anorexia. And it is, and compulsive overeating. It's, it's all of it. And I, and I know where it can lead me. And so, um, you know, I pray, I work the steps, I, I go to meetings, um, and I, I do phone meetings if I can't get to a, a face-to-face meeting. Um, I am now eating three meals a day. I mean, I just, I make outreach calls. I take outreach calls. Um, I was sponsor. I had sponsees and that's in a little bit of a transition right now, but like I, my service right now is call the newcomer. You know, I'll just call the, I'll call a newcomer or call someone who's struggling. Um, I'm at service at my job. Um, and it's, it's the fact that I have a job today and I haven't been fired is like, huge. <laughs> so, and it's, you know, it's, I've grown so much in this job too. I went back to, got my master's and, um, it, um, my master's degree, um, I've been through breast cancer in, um, program. Like I've been through a lot of different things and I still deal with the chronic, I have, you know, the arthritis is still there every day. Like just like the eating disorder, the anorexia is a disease. I have to deal with the arthritis too. I have to take my medicine, literally take medicine for the pain. And then I have my medicine is meetings for the anorexia. And um, bulimia is medicine, steps, sponsor, calling people, pulling the covers on myself and saying this is what's really going on. Because asking for help, I hate asking for help. Um, I learned to be... Like when I was 12, I was like, okay, I guess it's just me and myself. I can only trust myself. And so I'm learning still 20 years later, 20, 21 years later, being in program that to, to, to open up and trust others to hear my secrets and to hear my pain. So thank you, and thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you. Okay. 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 This is the time for questions. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my, of my, are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself um, if being recorded. Okay. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. If being Okay. Questions until 935. You, I will get a five-minute warning. Okay. Yes. Do I need to repeat the question? Okay. So the question is, what do I do now when my life seems scary to feel safe? Well, I have a lot of, um, I have a big mental health squad outside of the program that I, because I, I, there's things I really need, to, I'm still working through, um, but when I'm not there, when I'm not, uh, I, 
at meditation, um, uh, my going back to my breath, because I when I'm feeling really overwhelmed, the first thing to go is breathing. I just I'm like, and I start getting into this like panicked, really panicked state, and then I can't think straight. And so, one of the tools that really helps me is to, you know, focus on my breath. Um, also, um, like I said, meditation, um, reaching out to someone that I feel safe with and saying, I am not feeling safe right now. I feel really scared. I went through, I actually went through something over the summer that triggered stuff from my, when I was a kid and I was not feeling safe for all, for weeks. And I remember just God also going to God, like, okay, God, like I just need to, I would just imagine like this like loving, someone just like lovingly putting their arms around me and holding me because I just felt so discombobulated. And so that also helps. Um, writing, um, writing the thought down and then, or, or like, even if I don't write it down, but then countering the thought with a thought, like let's say the thought is, the world is not a safe place. Like countering it with, I'm okay right now. Everything's okay. Like, where are my feet? Sometimes I just have to ask myself, where are my feet? Oh, they're here. What day is it? Um, and um, and I'll do like mindfulness stuff too. Like, what do I see? What do I hear? What do I take? You know, things that will bring me anything to bring me back to the present moment. Because going through trauma, like it's all like I, being in the present is really scary. So I I get to work through that um, outside of the help that I get, but also with with the help of fellows in the room that I've found that I can trust. And there's a few that I just tell like that stuff too. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Could you talk about how you've come to terms with your body in terms of like what you've done to it and kind of what it's done to you with the health conditions you had? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I mean, that's really a day at a time because I do have moments when I'm in physical pain and I get frustrated. Um, And then, you know, I have to really, I'll go to God. I'll just cry. Sometimes I just have to, I just get to cry about it, you know. And, And that, actually, the crying helps because I'm releasing a lot of stuff, you know, emotion. But I think for me, I mean, it really is a day-by-day thing. Um, and I have had a lot of moments where I've really thanked my body for, because I've been so abusive to it. So, And I just think, wow, this freaking body has been through so much. And so it's, it's the grace of God. I, I mean, that's the only thing that I can really think of when I have moments where I feel settled in my own skin is the grace of God. Um, I also, I mean, I've done some... Uh, I, I work with others who are going through this, the same uh, physical stuff, which has really helped heal a lot of the shame that I've had around having arthritis. As I've worked with um, other families and children that have been affected, and that has really helped as well. Um, but I think um, when I'm not doing that stuff, it's really just continuing to sort of turn it over to a higher power, whatever that concept is for me that day. It's like, okay, today is, I'm feeling this way. And it's not perfect. Like, I have, I have my good days and my not-so-great days. And actually, more, it's more moments because I'll feel really okay in my body maybe for an hour or two. And then if I'm not feeling well or I'm tired, 
and I get frustrated, but, but it's, it's, I don't hate my body today. I really, I really admire and res- I'm learning to, I won't say I'm fully there, but I'm learning to admire and respect the body that God has given me and the, the, the way that it has held me up despite what I've done to it and what has been done. So, Mm-hmm. Um, real talk. Uh, <laughs> follow up on that. What can you talk about? How you release the safety of being at the person of where you are in the process of releasing the safety of um, being in a small body mm-hmm. or having your weight or your body set mm-hmm. be a higher power? Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to, what does your food look like in recovery? Okay. Um, you know, I. I forgot I didn't repeat that last question. I apologize. Um, so what, what, how, so the question is how have I, how am I releasing the, that the safety is about being under, the safety of being, un, un, that I'm safe if I'm underweight? Allowing a small body size not to dictate your day. Okay, allowing a small body size not to dictate my day. How do I do that? And then what does my food look like? Um, well, it's really interesting because I had this aha this last week because I really thought, I thought, well, if I, if I eat too much, I'm going to be unsafe. Like, I, I have to stay, stay tiny because then I'm, I mean, that, that's, that's just the irony of the disease. It's like, tells me that I'll be safer if I'm underweight. But the truth is, is that, and I've, let me backtrack. I've always been small. Like, I've never been overweight. Like, um, but I, but what I've got to this week was eating three meals a day. I actually feel stronger, safer, and more at ease with life and more connected to life, which is the complete opposite of what the disease says, which is if I starve, I will be more connected with people, safer, and stronger. And it's, it's like, I'm like, Oh, oh, so I just have to kind of keep going back to that um, place. And then um, I think also just really I feel like I have, I have a small body. I mean, that's just how it is. And I think it's a lot about how I feel inside. Like If I'm feeling secure and okay inside and at peace, like being small, I feel safe. Like because I'm, there's a grounding that has happened. Um, I don't know if, I hope that answers your question. Um, I just feel more grounded. And eating, I feel more grounded, which is just so ironic to like what, I'm really seeing like, wow, the reality is so not what my perception is. And then what does my food look like? I mean, I eat three meals a day. Um, I'll have a stand, like I'll have, I mean, sometimes I just, I'll have a smoothie or I'll have like protein bar, a couple of protein bars in the morning. I know that that's not necessarily, you know, and I'm not going to judge it. It's a meal for me. It's my food. It's what I'm eating. Um, and then like I'll have a sandwich for breakfast, I mean for um, lunch. And um, and then for dinner, I, I try to, I mean, dinner has a, it's actually the easiest for me, um, but I, I, it, I mean, I eat pretty much anything. Like, I'll, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about food in here, but I'll eat mac and cheese, or I'll eat mashed potatoes and chicken, and you know, um, I have chocolate. I mean, I eat everything right now. I, I sometimes I wonder if sugar is an issue, but I can't go there right now because that's just another thing I take off that then 
excuse the oh restriction. So I, I, and and what I've been doing actually, and I'll I'll say this is I, I've been texting my nutritionist because I have a nutritionist, and I text my sponsor my food, and she just is like I just want you to text not text it but email it to her. She's like I'm just going to look at it, but I'm not going to comment on it. I'm not going. It's so that you can give it away with no shame, and know that. There's nothing to feel bad about. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. Following up a bit on the last question, I've been in almost as long as you, mm-hmm. and I've seen a reduction in anorexic bulimic focused meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get anything different out of those than out of a general OA meeting? Um, that's a really good question. Okay. The, re- the, the comment was there. there's been a reduction in anorexic bulimic meetings, focus meetings, and if I, when I go to those meetings, is, does it feel different than going to a regular, to an, an OA, a regular OA meeting? And yeah, I mean, because it's hard for me sometimes to be in a meeting, a regular OA, I don't know if it's regular is the right word, but uh, an OA meeting and say, I feel fat, like I feel like I gained, and that's, but that's not about anybody in the room, that's about what my head says I need to do, like don't tell anybody this stuff. But I guess I guess what I found in anorexic bulimic meetings, which I agree, I it's I'm so it's I get sad because there's not very many, and I don't see a lot of anorexics stay and bulimics. Like there's a lot, but I see it's a it's there's not as much focus. And I've thought about that. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should start a meeting. But um, I um I do I feel like sometimes the rawness of like throwing up the throwing up or the over exercising or the um is a little more, and, and I just relate a little bit more um, to the, to the, um, what's the word? Um, just, I do relate a little, a, a bit more to the anorexic bulimic because there's, there's a, just that, sometimes it just, there's a lot more raw of like what the, the vomiting and the, it gets it gets pretty real sometimes, and and not that it doesn't in other OA meetings, but I think it's just sometimes I need to hear the restriction side, the real real hardcore restriction and purging part of it because um, that's my that's my that's what I go to. So, um, but I get so much out of it. I mean, I I go to mostly I don't really go to a lot of anorexic bulimic meetings, and I share in the meetings, and I. And I just still combat that voice that says, don't say that you feel fat. I'm like, no, I feel fat because if I don't tell you this, I'm going to go home and not eat. So I better just say it. And I get to trust that we're all, like, the feelings are the same. I'll hear a compulsive overeater, and I'm like, oh, my God, I still relate to those feelings. Five more minutes, okay. So I don't know, that that, I don't know if that answered your question, but I do, I do feel a connection to anorexic symbolemics because of just... That's my disease, so yeah. Yes? When you are or were in your disease, was there any knowledge in your mind that this could kill you, or did you kind of block it out and just kind of focus on the high or whatever mm-hmm. it was you were getting? Mm-hmm. When I was, okay, so the question is, when I was in my disease, do, was I aware or conscious of the fact that it could kill me, um, that it could take me out? And the... When I before I got into rehab, no, I didn't. I was 
I just thought I was invincible. But as I have been in the rooms and I have been to funerals and I have also seen my own stuff that has come up through not eating enough, yeah, I, I am very clear that you know there's heart issues, there's organ issues, there's dehydration issues, there's like I've nearly passed out in a Vons, like before in a Vons grocery store because of not eating enough. Like um, that was several years ago before I came got the second absence the, the absence I have now. But that scared me enough. I was like, what the like I don't this is not love this is not a life this is not living and so yes I I am very clear today um, that it can kill me now. The other, on the opposite side of that, I have to, with steps, program, fellows, my sponsor, God, combat that because I can tell myself all day long that this is going to kill me, but the disease is also doing push-ups, saying I'm going to like get stronger and stronger, and it's more subtle today than it was when I came in 21 years ago. It's a lot, like I said, it comes through the back door and through the roof and through the little hole in the wall, you know, like... It's, it's a subtle thought today versus like the blaring. Um, and I think that subtle, subtle thought is a real thought. Like, yeah, this is going to be, this is a good idea. <laughs> and then I have to run it by somebody. I'm like, no, that's not a good idea. I don't think you should do that. So, yeah. Okay, yes? What's your concept of, a, of God or a higher power? If you, if you use it on a daily basis, how do you do it? What is my concept of a higher power? And if I use it on a daily basis, um, how do I use it? Um, so this is this is an ongoing for me. Uh, my relationship to my higher power has been an ongoing thing. I grew up in a very, very religious household. And as I was sharing earlier, there's I really thought, like, God's going to get mad at me and punish me if I do this. And God's going to love me if I do this. And I've, through a lot of... Um, step work but also I did a somebody in program suggested that I do a vision board of God and they said do not do words do not do things that you want do pictures that make you feel a certain way so I picked these photos that make me feel very loved and look at it and when I look at it then pray and meditate get the feeling and then so that I will start associating the feeling that I have looking at these pictures with God when I pray and meditate. And um, so that's where it's at right now. Um, and then the other thing that I do, as I talk to God all day long. Like, I don't, I wish, I'm trying really hard to get into the formal, like, you know, going to sit here and like, okay, God. But I talk to God in my car. I talk to God at work. I'm always talking to God. And I, and I just... Sometimes I don't really know what I'm talking to, but I just say, okay, I'm asking for your help today. I need it. And then inevitably it shows up in some very random way that day. I get the, the, or I'll say, higher power, I'm asking for a miracle today. I'm really struggling with this thing. And again, like, it comes to unexpected ways. Oh, yeah. Yes? So the richness and bonus you get with life from the minute fuller body Mm-hmm. It's the antithesis of the restrictor that that you have, that you mm-hmm. the natural restrictor that you are. Um, what steps do you work on that restrictive nature of your personality to to embrace the richer, fuller body? And fuller um, okay, so it's what steps do I work um, in embracing the richer, fuller body versus the underweight 
emaciated body. I'll just, is that? Oh, sorry, personality, personality. Um, Well, it's one, two, and three. I mean, I really, it's, I am powerless over my thinking about that, thank you, that being thin is going to, is the answer. Um, And my life is unmanageable around this thought. And like my idea of that, that's who I am. And then two and three and um, making a decision and then turning it over. And I think also just, it's, I think the evidence of how I'm seeing my life uh, open up has also really been like, wow, like, look at all this. I'm so present that it's really helped me when I think that being emaciated, that that personality is going to give me what I need. Um, I'm seeing, I'm more connected when I'm in a fuller body and I'm seeing all the love. I can receive the love when I'm in the fuller body. And, and feeling that today, it's like I don't feel so alone. I don't feel sad as much. I feel really connected to a higher power and to myself. And I think that, feeling that is outweighing thinking that being emaciated and, and holding on to that is going to be the answer. Yeah. Thank you.